positive feedback loop. Welcome to PFL Podcast. This is Stephanie. This is Ray. And this is Luis. This is a podcast where we talk about things that interest us and we learn about each other in the process. So today we thought we'd talk about dreams because dreams are mystical. Dreams, 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 dreams. <laughs> and I thought I'd kick us off with kind of the science of dreams. Uh, you know, dreams tend to be this like I said, mystical thing, but there's also kind of a science to it. Uh, back in the 1960s was when REM, REM sleep, was kind of named. And uh, in the late 50s, there were actually two researchers that published papers on how our eyes and our limbs move in certain ways when we're dreaming. And so the idea that dreams are really a part of the sleep cycle uh, came about in the 50s, 60s. I think uh, dreams are actually a fascinating topic, mostly because there's a lot of unknowns with them. Um, before I go further, I just want to point out to the listeners, we have, we've decided to set a very strict, we're not going to talk about our dreams in terms of our, right. the ones that we've slept, we've had over sleep, because although we find that they are very, if people are fascinated and love to talk about their dreams, no one likes to listen to other people's dreams. It's such <laughs> an abstract, weird thing and like such like a, you had to have been there situation. Mm. The and ultimate, it's very personal yeah, too. It's, it's exactly, it's, it's the ultimate and most personal you had to have been there because there is no way when you describe your dream, anyone else could possibly experience what you experienced and, in your head. And the way that people imagine it is always way more mundane than right. whatever you went through. And 90% of the things that you say about your dream is not actually what you dreamt. It's things you just kind of made up because you yeah. forgot what really you dreamt about. Yeah. But uh, going back to the topic of science of dreams, it's, it's actually really fascinating. I, I haven't done too much research on this, so I do apologize if I do uh, make spurious claims. But I will say one of the things that's interesting about it is that we don't know why we dream. We don't know why, well, why we even sleep to a degree is still a large unknown, um, at least uh, last time I checked side, the, the science behind it. We still didn't know. I mean, there's, there are creatures that don't need to sleep. They just do, and but there's still other others like fish that do sleep. And seeing fish sleep, first of all, is kind of funny because they're just kind of like swimming in place. And my girlfriend has a fish, and it will it it sleeps really weird because it sleeps like it's dead. Well, so it always you, misleading. Don't you sleep like you're dead? Well, no. Generally, you can like <laughs> approach me, and you'll know that I'm not dead, mm, or I will be breathing. snoring, and then people will be like, yeah. "Please stop snoring," and then I won't because I'm asleep. But there are theories around why we dream and like what goes on oh, while, absolutely, while we're yeah. dreaming. So it's kind of interesting that maybe we could touch upon those. Well, do you topics. have any that you want to bring up? So like if you, you know, consider the work of Sigmund Freud, who he, he believed that virtually every uh, dream or anything that you dream about, uh, whatever it actually is, is just the representation of releasing sexual tension. So that was that was his theory and that's what he thought. Researchers think that one possible explanation is that it's uh, kind of an uh, outpouring of your unconscious. That your unconscious is trying to communicate to you. His theory is just kind of more specific application of that. Although I do, I do want to point out that, if, unless I'm mistaken, I do believe most of neurobiology and psychology have at this point discounted 99% of everything that Freud ever said. He, he is not... 
he is appreciated as one of the fathers of uh, his field, but his work at this point is far, far from seen as accurate. Uh, but I think it's left to interpretation at this point. In, uh, I think there still are researchers that I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Too. Well, they can they study him. I think more more like in the scholarly sense. You yeah. can learn more about him as a person and about why he had his ideas and his cocaine problem. But the actual ideas he had have long been debunked for the most part. Well, have I, they been debunked, or do we just now use quantitative measures to define what? You know, well, we know we are. know from, uh, that a lot of the theories he came up with, which did not really have much basis in evidence, have been, for the large part, shown to be untrue or at least shown to be misleading. They they're not really based. There's no basis on evidence for a lot of his theories, and that thing's that's, anecdotal. You're saying yes. it's just kind of based on yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his so, observations or yeah. what he knew, where how he interfaced with his own. Yeah, life at least things. at least that's my understanding of the of the position. I'm not a psychologist by any means. Um, I did like the most I've done with you know study child psychology back in college because that was a part of childhood development because that was one of the things I studied part of as oddly enough as part of my minor in gerontology. Fascinating. Which, yeah, you would think uh, the study of aging right. also included. Studying kids, which well, is weird, and also not a yeah, also not a sentence you want to say too often in, in the wrong context. Um, well, so going back to dreaming, there's actually, you know, other theories of why dreams exist, and uh, part of that I'm thinking when you mentioned gerontology, I was thinking of memory, and part of that is forming <laughs> long-term memory, and I think of dreaming kind of encodes the data you've received over the day into that long-term memory so that you can recall it. And uh, there are other theories to why we dream. Some people think that your dreams tell you what you should be doing over the day or that you rehearse something in your mind so that you're ready. So people sometimes will dream about catastrophic events. And it's some biologically evolutionary way to prepare ourselves for the fe- if those mm. events might happen. And then you have other reasons for dreaming. Uh, Many believe in the stories of the Bible, uh, the visions and prophecies, and that dreams can act as prophecies. So I actually was about to bring that up. Um, oh, I think so. I think that your you 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 the theories you mentioned I think are probably more aligned with where I think the science is at currently. I don't know if things have changed, but I do think that's more or less some of the theories that are more current. Um, but in terms of prophetic dreams, um, I know people who claim to have had prophetic dreams, but I think it's kind of a numbers game. Because let's think about the fact that, for the most part, you don't remember 99% of your dreams, right? You don't remember, you tend, I tend to wake up, and maybe I'll remember my dreams for, at like, five minutes mo- at tops, and then they're gone. But let's say you did have a dream, and then something happened shortly thereafter that reminded you that kind of coincided with aspects of your dream... Those are the aspects that are going to lock into place as current memory, right? Those are the things that are going to stay with you. So, and there are people out there with extremely interesting stories. And I mean, I know of some of them who have these like fascinating stories about things that happened to them or getting phone calls about someone who was dying and they just had a dream about that person dying. And it's just like, oh my God, how could this happen? But what if you've had that dream a hundred times and you just happened to have the phone call this one time you had the dream? You know, there's, you won't remember having had that dream a hundred times because you don't remember the dream. Um, similarly, there's a lot of 
things that people look into, they look to dreams for advice. Mm -hmm. But so much of this is just you reinforcing the things you already know. And I think that's actually one of the things that goes into play with self-help. So I'm I'm tying this a little bit. I'm going a little afield here, but I think personally, a lot of self-help books and self-help ideas always boil down to the same concept. You already know what you need to be doing. You just need someone else to tell you to do it. I actually am one of those people that do, do honestly believe that dreams can act as visions and prophecies and instructions from like an all-knowing God. And so mm-hmm. on the flip side, I'm a very religious person and do believe that uh, that instruction can come from outside of ourselves and be communicated as in different ways. And so this can be as, you know, insights that come to your mind while you're awake or waking up to visions at night. Uh, so I tend to be more of a spiritual person when it comes to dreams. I remember, or I definitely dream more if I've had a large meal before I go to bed. I, I think, think that's scientifically that, 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 that <laughs> think, oh, yes. I think the reasoning is they're just more calories inside you, more you know energy going through your bloodstream, hence just spurring dreams like what well your stomach has to be awake because it's now you've given it a job late at night and said hey you're working through the night stomach so what does that have to do with okay well i mean if you've let your stomach rest it knows oh i don't have to work right now i don't have food to digest i can just like settle down and go to sleep this is not scientific this is me but if i'm sleeping talking about your stomach as an employee but if but if you're sleeping fire your stomach Mm, i wonder is that what like stapling your stomach is I think that's just firing. That's firing part of the staff. Oh, okay. yeah. Like layoffs. It's downsizing. It's downsizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> downsizing. Do you really think that the Stephanie, the things that you dream, do you decipher when it's a good idea and when it's not a good idea? Like, do you still have to make that ultimate decision? Right. What if someone's recommending you do something that you really actually think you shouldn't be doing, or what if the dream is telling you one thing, but in when you're thinking logically about it, you should be doing the opposite? Do you do you is this a, a difficult process for you? I'm sure I have some dreams that are just coding in long memory, long-term memory. I have other dreams that are just data debris from the day that are kind of mixing probably because I ate late at night, right. <laughs> like you've mentioned to me. But uh, okay, so here's, I have, I, I kind of want to follow up on this because I am very curious. How do you differentiate between them? Because mm-hmm. at what point is it just you interpreting and then kind of by interpreting and coming to a decision through it? then the dream clarifies itself and drops out all the things that are the more insane. Right. Because for the most part, dreams have insane elements to them, right? Well, yeah, they're you're not... flying maybe or yeah. something. So, I think they're very metaphorical, and that's where I, I draw from them. So a dream's never going to tell me to like do something dangerous or awful. Like If it's not a good thing by my logical sense, I'm not going to say, oh, my, well, my dream told me to do it, because that's really dangerous thinking. What's... So what I really, when I wake up and I think, I want to do this good thing, I want to serve this person, or I really need to resolve this conflict with, the, with something in my life, I decide, I'm, I'm trying to decide between two really good options for my future, and they're both great from a logical standpoint. I may have a dream that instructs me in some way and I know it versus it just being day debris by waking up and feeling very strongly like a warm, comforting, amazing feeling. This was meaningful. So you trust how you feel once you wake up. Yeah. So then how does that mesh for you with lucid dreaming? 
So lucid dreaming is so interesting to me. Can you describe it to for our so listeners? So lucid dreaming is when you're you're unconscious, but you're you've got some element of yourself that's conscious enough that you know that you're dreaming, and so you can also even kind of control what's going on in the dream because you're halfway between the two. I've done it. And there's yeah, I think we've all I have to remember having these experiences and they actually have these goggles somebody had created that I was looking at on Gizmodo where you put on these goggles and they shine these like LED light on you so it wakes you up from your your mm-hmm. sleep just enough that you're lucid but you're still unconscious. Hmm. Fascinating. So it's like being in a holodeck in your mind. Yes. Ooh, um, in your mind. I, I think like for, I, I, I won't go into my own experience with lucid dreaming, mostly because that would kind of break the not discussing my <laughs> dreams rule. But I will say, I had, having done it, the ability to just take control of your dream is very liberating because now, first of all, you can get rid of anything negative and just enjoy your time when you're dreaming. You're enjoying your off hours as much as you can enjoy, as much or more than you enjoy your on hours. But then, how does that mesh for you, Stephanie? with the idea of prophetic dreaming. Because if you can take control of your dreams, how do you know you're not going to cut out the parts that are supposed to be helping you make decisions? How do you know that in being conscious, you're not blinding yourself to things that you consider, at least personally, you know, a voice or something external? Before you answer that, I just want to add or comment that you're never... You feel like you're in control, but you're never fully in control. You might That's be in control of your it. body, but sometimes there's like an environment that changes unexpectedly. It's very hard to get every pixel of dream perfectly controlled. Yeah, so when I'm dreaming, even if, I, if I'm in this lucid dreaming state, I have agency. Like I sense myself making choices in the dream, but at the same time, I am very... There are very clear elements of the dream I can't control. I may even be upset about. In, in the idea of lucid dreaming actually raises in me this issue with control that we have. Like the fact that we would develop goggles to bring us into a state where we can control our dreams. I wonder if we, at, you know, in, in maybe in the modern era, have this problem with control. That we're not even willing to play out an uncontrolled scenario in our dreams and what kind of development that gives to us. So I actually am, I'm going to jump in here a little bit with personal experiences, but not describing them in detail, but I will, I did want to note, my experience with lucid dreaming has been very different from yours in that I have, when I've done it, I tend to have some objects, sometimes a remote control, a literal remote control that allows me to take full control of the dream. And by that, I mean, I have the ability to just change location. So you just, have an actual, you have sort of like an artifact within your dream that allows you, it's not you controlling the dream, but your extension, which is the remote control, yeah. is the extension of you. And I've just been able to basically teleport around my dream to other dreams that I that are more pleasant to me. This is like Minecraft. See, for yeah. me, I'm more about <laughs> flying. I end up, I'm able to fly oh. everywhere yeah. and everywhere really fast. A lot of but then, that. but then that brings up the issue of, again, and we're getting a little bit into the weeds here and a little bit to the two-person when it comes to people's dreams, but it, it, it brings up the issue of you are still able to avoid things that you that are negative and go to the rest of the positive. And this goes through as your point about control, right, in terms of dreams, etc. But why wouldn't we want to have that control? If you can enjoy your, your nights 
as much as you do your days or better. Some people use sleep to escape. Uh, it, it can be an escape for some people. But if you see dreams as recreational, then that makes sense. Whereas if I'm, I have a mind view of, I mean, a worldview of seeing dreams as instructional, then it's almost like I'm setting myself up for receiving instruction, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's our mindsets that actually end up with dreams that are very different in nature because of that? True. I mean, inherently, I see dreams uh, more as the uh, more biologically functional aspect, right? I don't see the time that I spent asleep as time for me to be making decisions. I don't expect to receive messages. I don't expect... I, I expect for all of those things for me to be just noise that you can gleam things from noise if you want. You can always find meaning if you're looking for meaning. And I think that's more reflects on the ideas that you already have more than ideas that are truly coming out of nowhere. And But I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere. Well, so from my stance, I actually do believe things are coming from outside of me that I don't know from somewhere. True. I'm, ex I'm explaining my own yeah, personal yeah, yeah. like view on it. And sure. I do think that humans are incapable of truly experiencing things that they have no frame of reference for. You can't imagine a thing that's not composed of some other items that you have never seen. If you have never experienced a... And that is made up of other things that are impossible for human minds to comprehend, then it is impossible for you to come up with it even in a dream. That's well, it's like when cars are called the horseless carriage. Like, people just can't even name something they can't imagine or sort of, yeah. experienced. And similarly, I mean, there's a lot of inspiration that comes to people from their dreams. People oftentimes will have will be inspired to make something based on the landscapes that their dreams create, the ideas that their dreams bring up. But these things tend to be also composed of those elements. And similarly, I think the same goes for me personally comes from those messages, those ideas are all ideas that either I have gleaned after the fact or they are concepts that I had were pre-existing and maybe were combined in a different way that mesh well with my own internal moral compass. If I were to glean anything from my dreams, but that's because I'm not looking to glean anything from them. I see it a little differently. I think that there's people that believe you have the universe, right? And then there's everything. Yeah, I think that your dreams are just kind of like a portal into that everything. So you could see things that you have not seen in the last, you know, whatever years you've been alive. But when you were born, you were still born with innate features that are innate, innate memories maybe within your DNA, for example, within the biology of yourself that right now we may not understand or be able to explain. However, it, you can't, I think there is a possibility that your dreams can be composed of things that you've never experienced before at all. Things that you can't, you, you could not have imagined at all. That's really interesting, Ray. That is a great place to stop to listen to a commercial, and then we'll come right back to that topic in just a moment. This is our surrealist chance. It cannot make sense. Cannot make sense. Nonsense. And you know what they don't need? I, I have an idea. Where can we go? Pyramids, pharaohs, and then... Saying? Stay with me. Stay with me. Come in. In a dream. Yeah, in a dream. Apple. Yeah! Maybe like sea dreams. Sea dreams. 
Guys, you guys, 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 guys. Chop bits of this. You chop this bits of this coming this season. We're gonna TV show. <laughs> I'm, I'm game. Buy American. Does that make sense? You know what I love about nightmares? Can sell dreams. I sell dreams, but I don't. We are no longer in a commercial. Board of you your dreams. You just entered your eternal slumber. is a dream. Can you tell if you're in a dream? Try it first. The dream salesman comes to you from your dreams. So welcome back to PFL Podcast. Right. So could you expand a little bit on your point? Because you were you were explaining how you feel dreams are a portal to a uh, a knowledge that is embedded in your biology, and I'm a little confused right. by that. I know that DNA is able to code for things, and we've coded for such... In fact, I think we actually encoded an entire movie in DNA, and we're able to recover it perfectly. But generally speaking, that's not what it actually does within the human body. Right, so what I'm trying to say is I think that at the level we're at now, and the lack of understanding we have about dreams and just the mind in general and how we work and how we communicate. And the reason we feel connected with other human beings at many times, with other species in general, and, and um, just, just considering all those you know, ideas, it isn't you know, hard to imagine that the thoughts or the real experiences that we feel in our dreams, because we f there's feelings in the dreams. Those are not faked feelings, right? There are feelings in those dreams that f feel real. Why can't that be potentially the true nature of our reality? And we come into this uh, existence when we wake up and have these activities and we, we experience something with, you know, the physical world, which is all said, you know, all good and stuff, but it's it's just one way to look at it. It's a very common way to look at it, I agree. But if you consider like thousands of years ago, dreams did make decisions. I feel like a lot of this has to do with more where literature has taken, or rather more the, the writings of previous ages. There was a lot of dreams have long been a theme in fiction. Fiction is a lot, is the result of a lot of dreams, right? Aren't we talking about how they're inspiration for a lot of our writings? I think that the, the issue I'm having here is, so as listeners may have gathered already, uh, Stephanie, myself, and Ray come from very different points of view in terms of the way we approach the world. And, and we how like we those see differences it. in yeah. view. Makes it's, it more exciting. We embrace it. It's, it's one of the we things do. that makes this podcast special, at least from our point of view. Yeah. And hopefully from yours as well. As you can probably tell, I personally am much more secular. I tend to have... Um, a much, a much. I tend to see the world as far less magical in that sense. Uh, that's not to say that I don't see "quote unquote" the magic of the world, at least the figurative magic. But um, Ray, I think, has more of a spiritual bent to him, and Stephanie is more on the spiritual via religion. I, the the way I personally approach this interpretation that Ray has given us, is 
I see it as filling in a hole. I see it as the way that we have approached mystery in the past. And it is as, I don't know what is, what is there, therefore it could be anything. Because I don't understand it, it, can, it is literal magic. Not figuratively magic, it is literally magic, because I do not understand it yet. I think that you would find interesting the Aboriginal Australians, because their history is called Dreamtime. Yeah. Right. Which is really the English translation of whatever they their mythology or slash history was, but it's really their story of the creation, and some say it's even in the ongoing creation that's happening that's referred to as Dreamtime. But this idea that... The dream time is this mythological or historical beginning, genesis to their whole story. And that's kind of what I'm gathering from what you're saying, is this filling in the story. You have this oral history that's passed down and has become this dream time mythology. And I think that's often the way that we have approached mystery in our lives. And it's not just dreams themselves. It's not relegated only to dreams. I'm someone who is very comfortable saying... I don't know, so I will wait to know. But a lot of people are not comfortable with not knowing things. There is a level to humanity where we feel insecure. And I'm not saying that's what's happening, that's what happens with the people around this table. I'm just saying this is a thread that I've noticed in the way that humanity has developed. Um, and it is that we are insecure in not knowing. We, that loss of control that you mentioned before, Stephanie, that it, it, it hurts to not know. And so we fill in the gaps. We fill in the gaps with what the things that we do know, with the elements that we do have around us. That's, what, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I feel like so many ancient gods were very human-like. I mean, they, were, they had the same problems, the same foibles as the people around them, because that's what you know. You know people. And so you ascribe that, those qualities to your mythological figures, right? You know that people can be drunk, so why shouldn't gods be drunks? You know people can get angry, so why shouldn't gods be angry? Why shouldn't this explain uh, these elements of our society, of our world, that we do not know yet? I don't like to establish a connection if I have no evidence that there is one. So have establishing a connection between... And I know that I do this, and I theorize a lot, I theorize a lot mm -hmm. in this podcast, but I understand that these are theories and I don't, I, I, they don't actually affect the way I see the world for the most part because I don't like have, letting down that wall between what I have evidence for and what I don't. Right, but the evidence lies in when you have a very emotional or strong dream, that emotion is the evidence. You, you, you feel, you will feel that during the, the dream, uh, maybe when you wake up and for a couple seconds, you'll be like, you know, holy crap, that was crazy uh, kind of feeling. So a lot of times those emotions and feelings are more powerful than what you experience in real life or daily life, probably because the dreams are probably so extreme and unexpected and just it's ridiculous things that are happening. That's probably why there's so much emotion attached yeah. to it. But that attachment of emotion is a real-life connection, I think. I would be more surprised if you had no emotions uh, when you were dreaming at all. If you had no reaction to anything. We're humans. We have emotional reactions to things. The fact that we react emotionally to a dream is no different to me than reacting emotionally to 
a child getting hurt or a scary movie. These are all things that I feel like bring out emotion in us. And if you see them in a context that is surreal, that does not make them any less emotional. Because you, even in your subconscious mind, remain human. But they're only surreal because we say that they are. Because if you think about, if you just consider alternate universes just for a moment, if there are such a thing as alternate universes, every single dream you have is an alternate universe. Wouldn't you agree? No. It would have to be just by definition of alternate universes because all existing possibilities exist within an alternate universe. All alternate universes have mm-hmm. their own laws of physics. Right. right? And so but the they have to physics... remain internally consistent. Dreams have no such restriction. If you establish a, a set of laws of physics for another universe that can be possible, and I'm not saying that a lot of these things are not possible. I mean, there's obviously some dreams could reflect a reality because they are close enough to our own reality. I'm not saying that's not feasible. But if the laws, if your dreams have internally inconsistent laws, then I do not think that they would work as a reality. I wonder, listening to uh, Ray talk about multiverses, do you think that dreams reflect the rules of a parallel universe? Like, I wonder, I have dreams that obviously go against the physics of this world or sure. the, you know, the rules of this world. I wonder if they're consistent with some other world then. By and definition, that, they would ha- they are, by definition, because, because that, there's an infinite number of Right, so there has to be some world where that dream laws. would fit and be normal. Right, and th- my, my, my theory Ooh. is that I'm trying to, maybe it exists, but what I'm trying to say is the fact that we can imagine it means that it exists in a outside. So for I you, disagree. a dream has to be... Like a, there's a parallel reality for every dream is what you're saying. Yep. Ooh. So when we sleep, we're just, en- we're, literally, we're entering into a another universe. So we're kind of, we have like eight hours or five hours for some of us of, of time that we might be able to spend in a different universe. I would say my, my point was not about that a dream cannot reflect, uh, that, that other universes cannot have different laws than ours. That was not what I was saying. I'm saying that even a place with other laws would still have to be consistent with its own laws. And dreams are do not have such a restriction. Dreams can be inconsistent even within themselves. And I think that's okay. If you're on a higher level, higher dimension, that would be possible. If you're on one level above the dimension you're speaking of. Well, is there a universe that can have no laws? We've come to a point where I think we've confused the entire audience and almost probably ourselves, which is the nature the nature of this kind of conversation. Well, so Luis, you brought up a good point. I may I was thinking, oh, my dreams I was assuming my dreams are internally consistent, right? And that if they're not consistent with my current planet that I'm on or universe mm-hmm. wherever I am, <laughs> I'm yeah. still not sure now, then maybe they're consistent with something, some other place, right? Yeah. But if they're not consistent within themselves, then that can't be the answer. Yeah. So what do you think I, about that? I would say, I think we, so far, Ray, I think your idea would is fantastic for, so say, science fiction, right? The idea that you can pop into another universe through your dreams is excellent as a, as a basis for a novel, for example. But I feel like it still limits us. Because we are limited, it still doesn't truly expand 
to what I would say would be a divine level of imagination. Because we are Explain even that. within the, the full extent, and I know I'm sounding extremely asinine right now, but even within the full extent of your dreams, every single bit of your dream is limited by your experience. I do not think that you can bring to me a single example of anything that you have ever dreamt that is not composed of parts of other things that exist and that you know exist. But is that really evidence of there not being a divine being, for example, communicating to you? Oh, no, 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 no. They That's, may communicate to you I, through... I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, like, we... That as humans... That we just can't get outside of our framework. Exactly. Yeah. Humans sure. are in... If there truly is this, like, Im incredible ability to go to a multiverse, an infinite number of universes with infinitely diverse laws of physics, then you would expect to, uh, to eventually stumble upon a world where the laws of physics are so different from your human experience, that you would truly reach the completely unknown. And I do not think that there is a single human on Earth that can claim to have done that. I think, hmm. first of all, I, I would say that I don't have evidence to disagree with you. However, I'm keeping an open mind about it because it's possible that there has been experiences that just are not part of the framework that you know, we've built around ourselves. Why can't that happen? I just think that the way that reality, the way because your mind is a iterative. I don't system. think we understand the mind is the point. I think at this point in time, if you consider what we thought about our bodies four hundred years ago, it's very different than how we think about it right now. It's very oh. and, and like not just a little different. It's extremely different. So I'm imagining in four hundred years, I'm sure what we're saying now is not gonna be consistent with what we would think in 400 years. I absolutely admit that the the gap, that there is obviously a gap in our understanding of everything. I mean, we don't have a theory of the of everything yet. That's the ultimate goal of physics, after all, right? I mean, at least, uh, if, as some people would say, the ultimate goal of physics is to create that theory that can truly predict everything within our universe. And connect all the different forces yes. that are within us. We ours. don't have that. And similarly... We don't have truly the deepest level of understanding of our own minds. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge that humanity will have to face and we will have to move forward. But keep in mind that 400 years ago, we barely, if at all, had a scientific process. We've come a long way and the, our expansion of knowledge has been logarithmic, not multiplicated, right? We've, we, it's not an additive process, it's logarithmic because as our population grows, as our knowledge base grows the knowledge base goes further and further and quicker and quicker and quicker. Right. But and that's my evidence for why dreams can include things that we don't know that are outside of anything we've experienced because how else would innovation and knowledge growth happen? Iteratively. It's the mixing. It's, so and, and to defend Luis and disagree with you a little bit, not to say that you're wrong, but it's an argument. It's the mixing of different experiences that can cause innovation. Yes. You know? So is all innovation combinatory combination well in a way by definition unless you've never interacted with a human being in your entire life yes it is yeah. if you have, if you were born in a cave in the middle of a dark hole you would not imagine a car that would not be a, a concept that you would have but it doesn't need to be a huge innovation even iterative innovation is something new that you haven't experienced before i would say that there are elements that you sub you may not realize you have experienced or that you haven't imagined but the same way a square is a combination of lines 
and also a combination of triangles, if you put it a different way. Th there, it's all a combination of something. And it's the, the idea of you standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Right, Everything and to is, that yeah. point, on the shoulder of giants, I feel like part of the you know theory of evolution, perhaps, you don't just start over with every new child or baby. You have that genetic history that gets passed down. And within that genetic history, I think, are possibly ways to, you know, um, channel information that you as a person have not experienced, but your ancestors have. I could have dreams or thoughts that are embedded in me for generations. So this is, you know, my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother could have had certain thoughts that somehow are carried in me through my genetics. That's forest of fascinating. Dreams. Forest of dreams. I will, might surprise you a little bit, I, I don't completely disagree with you. Okay. Okay. Are we going somewhere? Um, <laughs> I, I do know that there are certain aspects. Now our listeners I, are going to be bored because you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> but I don't completely disagree. I think that, I mean, well, I don't think, but I know that scientifically we've identified that there are I mean, there's a reason why humans have a much longer gestational period and a much longer period of development than other creatures. Because other creatures have a lot of the way that they, of their behavior, hard-coded. We learn ours. And that hard-coding is, I think, in a way, that biological knowledge that you have kind of in your, gen genetically. But I would not say that that is the same thing as sharing the dream of uh, your grandmother, right? It's, I don't think that's the same. I think that's there's a different level to that. That being said, I do think this is an, a subject for greater study that we need to know more about exactly what aspects of that have been sure. passed on to humans. But yeah, so I would leave it at that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's been a very, very interesting conversation. Um, I'm sure we can come back to it in a future podcast if our listeners feel that it's an important topic. And um, with that, we'd like to thank you guys. And again, uh, our Twitter account is... Um, the PFL Podcast. Right, and you can also reach us at, or listen to us at iTunes and on Stitcher. And SoundCloud. And SoundCloud, of course. And our website is... PFLPodcast.com. PFL That's right. That was beautiful. So guys, again, stay crazy. Stay, stay crazy. crazy.